What's up, dude? <laughs> I got hey, Jared. you. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't know if you're going to keep going on with your thought, but then you're quick and you're like, nope. there we I go. St- I stopped that thought and got the hey, dude. Hey, dude. Yeah, man. Okay, How's it going, right. boss? Well, it's going pretty good, man. It's a, it's a nice Wednesday. I've been getting a bunch of work done. It's cool. Dude, Wednesdays are my favorite. Yeah, I don't mind Wednesdays. Actually, like, I don't really have any day of the week anymore that I don't like or do like because it's yeah. like, yeah, my, I don't know, because maybe I just do something different that's interesting to me and it's not outside and there's not this mm-hmm. huge physical labor component. I'm not like, oh, great. You're not lifting heavy things into an airplane? No, it's like I don't feel like I need this physical break. So when Friday comes along, I'm not like, oh, thank goodness it's Friday. I'm like, oh, it's Friday. Okay. Tomorrow Dude, that- will look much like. Is that weird to go from that? Like to go from how long did you load planes for? 12 years. 12 years. Okay. Give or take. Is it weird to go from loading planes for 12 years to just bam, snap of a finger. Now you work at (laughs) home in front of a computer. Yeah. It's the weird. Okay. It's weird. Not really in my brain. It's weird in my body because I went from. 10,000 to 15,000 steps a day to like 500. Yeah. Like, man, that's probably low, but like a thousand steps a day. And so I can feel it in my body. My body is like, are we sick? Are we like dying? We're not doing anything anymore. Like my, my Apple watch was like, we've seen it. We've noticed a change in your step behavior. (laughs) Like, I bet you (laughs) have. I bet you have. (laughs) And so, but like in my brain, it doesn't really, it's really not that different. I think finding a work cadence has been difficult, but I think I'm finally getting there. Like yeah. finding out, okay, how can I be mentally tough to work in my home environment to like still apply all the high production value that I have that I learned through loading airplanes and yeah. apply it to working on my computer. And so over the last few months, well, over the whole time that I've been working in my basement, I've gotten better at that. <laughs> and I've gotten figured out how to do it like in different parts of my house while still like taking care of kids and all this kind of stuff. And yep. like, so that's been actually really fun to be like, oh, I'm getting better at my job. I'm doing it quicker. Yeah. So, yeah. I always wondered, cause like my transition was slow. Yeah. Like I went to a little bit of computer work here and there to a little more, to a little more, to a little more. And then eventually it was like all computer work. And then I slowly transitioned to home. I didn't do it all at once. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the coolest part is like being able to go to your fridge and get food. Hey, yeah. Or like if I want to go make coffee upstairs, I can go make coffee. Oh, yeah, and go and so an espresso. Although take I haven't thirty minutes to make an espresso. Yeah, you take thirty minutes to make an espresso. <laughs> I haven't actually. I haven't drank coffee in like two months. Dude, you gotta um, quit. You gotta stop that. No. So this is what. So my hands are no better. They're still dry and cracked and gnarly. But mm-hmm. what I like is the lack of headache. And so I was talking to my wife about this because she has experienced like chronic pain throughout her life in various uh-huh. stages. And she'll tell me like, oh, I went to the chiropractor, I got an adjustment and I don't feel pain. And it's the weirdest thing mm-hmm. because I, I certain you probably understand this too, to some extent where you, yeah. you reach out in your mind for that pain and it's not there. And you're like, wait, what is this? Uh-huh. And so I noticed that in my head that since I haven't drank coffee, I reach out for this pain or this. I will have this pain and it's not there. My head feels like thick and whole. It's so weird, <laughs> but I don't think I want to go back. Like I want to drink coffee, but I don't want to like lose this dude. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I know what you're talking about. I've, I quit drinking coffee before for like a few months. Um, and I know what you're talking about that. 
you don't you're not going to get the headache if you don't wake up and drink your coffee, right? Yeah. Plus, what I noticed is rather than drinking coffee, I'd wake up and drink water first thing in the morning. Yeah. And so you immediately get hydrated, which was really nice, like made me feel really good. But I love coffee too much. I can't I don't want to have coffee. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know. What? it's not yeah. even like the taste of the coffee hitting my lips. It's literally like the experience of the coffee. Because hmm. every morning I pour my cup of coffee, I go out on my patio, I read my Bible, I do my journal, and then it's just mm-hmm. that like holding the coffee cup in my hand and mm-hmm. being able to sip it and mm-hmm. having that warm thing there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not even the coffee on my mouth. Like it's not the coffee on my tongue, on yep. my taste buds. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird thing. Probably similar to alcoholics holding something in their hand yeah sure yeah or like cigarettes or and everything um, oh, yeah, like all yeah. those little addictive things where it's like it's kind of funny it's like our brain is like our brain is like i need the caffeine dude mm-hmm. i don't care about that crap i just need the caffeine but yeah. the brain's like yeah well he won't buy that we got to make this an experience for him so he keeps doing it so let's trick him into thinking that this is all worth it and the brain's like yeah let's get him let's get it let's just give me what i need yeah uh, i wish i could what? make the gym feel that way you can you can if you start exercising you get addicted to it yeah that's what everybody tells me dude you do 100 i never did when i used to run a ton it was like i got addicted to that it's the i didn't get addicted to like the feeling that running brought i guess but like when you train for like a a race and you're running a lot to train for it the way your body feels like when you're when you're almost ready for your race, like you're tearing your body down, tearing your body down, tearing your body down. So you're kind of tired, but then you go through the short recovery phase before your race, mm-hmm. dude. And you feel so good. It's unreal. The problem is you can't stay there forever. Right. So, sure, yeah, but then you always want to go back there. So you have to go train for another race. Right. But you feel oh, like, Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. The cycle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you I feel like, so. I mean, you feel like a million bucks. You pop out of bed and you're like, whoa and you're like let's let's go do something (laughs) like instantly and you're like that all day long just like yeah but yeah yeah i don't know i like because i grew up doing gymnastics and i did it a lot so i worked out Mm -hmm. for like the first oh i don't know let's see how long did i do that for i did that from like so i did gymnastics for like 13 or 14 years and like, sure, when you first start, you don't do it a bunch. But when I was doing it competitive, I was working out 12 hours a week. Right. And so like four hours or 16 hours a week, four hours, four days a week. Mm-hmm. And like, I never felt like I got addicted to it. And yeah. like, what happened to me was, is I stopped gymnastics. And then I was just like, I don't want to work out ever. That sounds awful to me because I yeah. had just like done it. And so like, I've never experienced this, like, this is awesome. And like, from it, like I'm strong and like I have a good physique and everything, which will eventually go away the longer I sit in my basement getting a thousand <laughs> steps a day. Yeah, well. But like, <laughs> I'll be, I'll just be skinny and weak, and and I don't want that to happen. And I feel my like motivation building to actually do something about it, but it's just not there yet. But it's getting there. Like I'm getting nice. really close to being like, all right, I'm actually gonna do something with my life. Good. Um, which to sort of wrap it around to the very first question you asked is how is it working in the basement all of a sudden i think there's it's a process right so it's like it's really easy for me to just like pivot jump and just get into it 
mm-hmm. then all these other things are catching up. Like this physical side is catching up mm-hmm. and like, like my eating side is catching up. So all mm-hmm. these pieces that have lagged behind that I've just left back there, mm-hmm. they're starting to like gain in a good way though. Like everything's starting to come back where I'm like, okay, I'm finally getting motivation to do this once I get my work routine. And then this, yep. which I always expect to happen. Like, oh, you're supposed to be able to do that in the first week, dude. You're supposed to start something new and then immediately everything just locks into place. Yeah. And then we're now, it's like I've been doing this for, how long have I been doing this for? Since October? I don't even know. Something like that. Yeah. So not even that long. Like no, like, it catches up like, fast, dude. <laughs> like five months, man. Like I feel like yeah. I've been doing this forever. <laughs> Welcome to the office struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've been doing like, this eternally. <laughs> every office person's struggle, right? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, like where we left off on our last podcast, you know, we were talking about plumbing business is like what your next moves are. Um. And we got to the point where like you're hiring technicians, like you've got, let's see, what did we leave on? You've got, you've hired a proper marketing company and you have hired a CSR, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're working on getting those technicians, right? Mm-hmm. So along with that, I think we touched on like becoming a leader and all that kind of stuff, but, and you're going to transition into the office, right? So it's going to, mm-hmm. you're going to have to mm-hmm. go through those kinds of things. Like mm-hmm. your body's going to go from, moving around as a technician all day to <laughs> being in an office all day. And it's going to be yeah. weird and uncomfortable and yeah. you're going to get, you're going to lose muscle mass and you're not going to know how to eat. And <laughs> you should probably Drink go to the gym. Or... Yeah. You probably go to the gym and eat healthy. Yeah. Um, but so before that, like you're, you've got your CSR, you've got your marketing company, they're doing a bunch of marketing. Um, let's see what else, like what should you do at that point? Right. Let's say you're you've got enough call volume. You probably need to start buying vehicles and hiring guys. Is and you can pretty much do that as fast as yeah. you can. I mean, as as fast as you can get guys and as fast as you can get vehicles in the door and get them ready. Mm-hmm. Just hire them. And then if you're not getting the call volume, it just means more marketing. Yeah. Okay. I got a question. So, sh- what should you? Should you be hiring more vehicles? <laughs> hiring vehicles? <laughs> yeah, let's go hire some vehicles. <laughs> Should you be? I don't think that's going to work, Joel. Oh, I'm not, not going to work. <laughs> should you be hiring or buying vehicles and then hiring guys, or should you hire guys and then buying vehicles? Um, probably. I don't know. Either or. I mean, it'd be dumb to hire like three guys and have no vehicles to put them in, right? <laughs> yeah. That would be. That would be kind of silly unless you had the three vehicles like, you know, they're going to be there and you hire three guys preemptively. Typically, what I see happen is in order to be motivated enough to actually get the guys coming, Mm. you have to have bought the van and it has to sit there and you're making Mm -hmm. this payment on it and it's empty and it's not making you money when it should Mm -hmm. be. It's just costing Mm -hmm. you money. That's when you get motivated to be like, I got to get a butt in this truck. Right. So it can make me money. But ideally you could right. do you could do them at like the same time. Yeah, All I guess I the perfect coming, yeah. Let me get a guy. That'd be the perfect way to do it. But uh we were kind of talking about okay, I'm gonna ask you a question that I know you're gonna love. What kind of yeah. van should I get, Jared? <laughs> <laughs> I remember this conversation. Uh so funny to me, the the 
So I was never the kind of guy that got all caught up in vehicles and engines and motors and working on stuff. <laughs> to me, that was always like, whatever. I don't care about that stuff. I could care yeah. less what kind of truck you drive or car you drive or whatever, which served me well when it came to vehicles, right? Buying vans, mm -hmm. which one's the best? Whichever one you can get at yeah. the time. It literally yep. doesn't matter. If you can put mm -hmm. a butt in it and set it to a job and it can look halfway decent, cool. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Done. Mm -hmm. If you can get it. Like the big issue now is just getting them. Yeah. So sure. whatever you whatever you can get. I mean, in an ideal world, it'd be the biggest one you can get, just so that when you wrap it, it's the biggest billboard it can be. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's, That's all I good... would think about. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to think about. But yeah, in our current context, when it's hard to get stuff, yeah, that just get the one that you can get. Yeah, get what you can and get. Whether it's, whether it's a Ford or a Mercedes or a Dodge. I've okay. got all three. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. Because I just had to get what I could get. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, again, you're, you're, you're in a business to make a profit. Yeah. You're not going to make a profit waiting for the ProMaster fleet. No. You're just going to be sitting there wasting your time. Dude, and who so, cares? You're not driving it anyway, right? <laughs> true, you're not. <laughs> I mean, I maybe are at first, but... Yeah, sure. What if your technicians you... What if your technicians notice and complain? Fire them. No. <laughs> I don't know. Just tell them that's all I could get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll understand. They're I mean, reasonable. If, you, if you could get a Ford and a Mercedes and a Dodge and you thought one looked better or... You like the motor in the other one for some reason. I don't even understand that. And sure, go get the one maybe you prefer a little more. Yeah. But all in all honesty, like at this, this day and age, you just got to get whatever. Yeah, just get what you can get. Yeah, whatever I can get, I'm going to go buy. Mm -hmm. And that like, and buy it before you need it. That's what I would do. Like we're talking about yeah. hiring uh -huh. technicians or buying vans first. You know, if you're growing your business and you want, and you want to grow it to a point like number one, you should know where you want to grow it to. Like for me, it was always, okay, I want to have, you know, 10 guys. So I need 11 trucks. Mm -hmm. So I, so I just bought trucks until I had 11 of them. It took me mm -hmm. two years to get 11 trucks. Mm -hmm. So I just bought trucks whenever there was a truck available or a van available. I bought it, but mm -hmm. I had like, I wasn't just waiting for them to be available. Like I had to go actively search for these things. Like I bought yeah. a, I bought vehicles from Anchorage, which is 355 mi or 350 miles away. I bought a Ford from Kenai. I don't even know how far away that is. Far. That is a ways away, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I would go like in Kenai, I would go to search Kenai car dealership and I'd go click on all their websites and check their inventory. Hmm. So I went through all of Anchorage, all of Wasilla, all of Palmer, and then I went to Kenai, and there was a van available in Kenai. I called them. Dude, is that van still available? I want it. And they were like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's available. It's not here yet. I was like, I want it. Sign mm -hmm. me up. Mm -hmm. Build me my down payment. I want that. <laughs> yeah, right? I have my credit card. I'm ready. Yeah. So a lot of guys, I know a lot of guys will like wait they're like, well, I don't need a van, so I'm not going to go look for one. Or they'll be mm. like, oh, I called the Ford dealership. They don't have any. Or I called the Dodge Dodge dealership. They don't have any. Um, Go look elsewhere. Like I know, like the van I bought in Pensacola, right? Mm -hmm. There was four of them in Mobile. 
There was two of them here in Pensacola, I think. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know why I bought one in Mobile. It was dumb. You had a reason. I think it was a price reason. I think it was, it was a lot cheaper. It was cheaper. It was a lot but, cheaper. But you know, I didn't account for the taxes I had to pay. Oh, I think it ended up being more because I had to pay taxes on it, like out of state oh. taxes. Oh gosh, interesting. Dang, that's so funny. You know what's funny about that is we're used to because we're in Fairbanks. I'll just drive six hours. It's not a big deal, and I'll get yeah. something. And then yeah. you're in Pensacola, you're like I'll just drive the mobile. It's like this, it's like an hour away. away or whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second, I just went across the state line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never gone across the state line when I bought anything like this. Yeah, I thought I was just going to Anchorage. You know? Yeah, it's kind of funny. funny. Anyway, like. I don't know. I had a guy tell me the other day, I went to the Ford dealership. They don't have anything. I'm like, dude, there's come down to Pensacola. There's four, there's four vans. There's a lot. Like you got to do what you got to do. I remember, um, uh, who was it? Bo McKenzie. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember he drove, gosh, I don't know. One of the other plumbers, he had somebody from another company that he knew meet him somewhere. They both picked up two vans and they drove them like, five or six hours to where he's at. Right. Oh, wow. Just, yeah. just to get two more vehicles. Mm-hmm. Cause those two more vehicles can make you a lot of money. If you can yeah, get some, bucks yeah. in them. definitely. So you've got to be actively looking for them and finding them, searching mm-hmm. them out. Cause they're so rare right now. It's like a, mm-hmm. and they're going to get bought up by somebody. So mm-hmm. you got to catch them, buy them, jump on it and get them back to your shop or your house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like the I like the idea of now you bought it. Now it's a motivation for you to keep pushing forward because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you as a business owner need to be having this idea that you're moving towards something like you have some sort of soft goal in the future and your soft goal could be 11 vans. Yep. So that's your metric for doing what you're doing. I wake up every day and I check for vans because I'm trying to get to 11 vans. I have yep. three vans. I need to hire some guys. Yep. Like or these things are going to run all my cash out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. And now you have this nice like series of motivation like to just push you on to the next milestone to keep pushing you and dude and that's something to think about too is like if you're if you're in the truck and you're plenty busy like you're billing out money right you can cover three van payments you can cover Mm -hmm. four van payments and if you've Mm -hmm. got two or three guys billing out or if you've got two guys and yourself billing out you can cover a lot of van payments. It's not going to yeah. sink you. Yeah. So just go get them, because then it's going to yeah. motivate you to get more guys. Yeah, because they're going to they're going to yeah, like you said, make you a lot more money than what they're you're going to be spending on them. Yeah, definitely. Like go buy three at a time if you have to. Sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, so you're, let's see, you're buying vans, mm-hmm. you're hiring guys, and you're doing more marketing. Do you have any like specific thing to talk about hiring guys or just hiring people like any things to look for or mistakes you've made or you've seen people make? Um, yeah. So like I would hire guys off character more than I would skill sets because mm-hmm. you could teach skills. Um, it's really hard to teach character. So mm-hmm. if you can get guys with good character and teach them the skills, you're better off. Even right. if, you know, preferably they had the skills and the character. Sure. But if all you can get is the character with, I wouldn't hire no skills, but if they've got good enough skills to go out in a truck by themselves um, and maybe make some mistakes and they've got some learning to do, perfect. Like those are the perfect kind of employees to me because you bring them in into your system and you sell them on your vision mm. and then you kind of grow them as a technician 
Um, you can number one, grow them into what you want rather sure. than something you don't want. Mm-hmm. They come with a lot less baggage, right? And then you can also, they just seem to be more committed to your cause in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, and they're really, they're just thankful that you took them in and taught them all these new skills, which mm-hmm. is, a, which is a cool thing to do anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it can be gratifying and it can be, and it can be good for you as well. That's mm-hmm. how I would hire guys. Um, some people want to go hire these like a players, which is cool. But what you have to watch out for is when they come into your organization, you have to be solid on mm-hmm. the way you do things in your organization. You can't let them because they're an A player dictate how you're going to pay them or how you're going to run right. this thing or, or mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Now, if they've mm-hmm. got good ideas and you can see this is a good fit for your company, cool, great. But for them to just come in and demand stuff certain things and it's mm-hmm. not how you want to run your company because it doesn't fit and it's not profitable or mm-hmm. doesn't fit your culture or whatever reason you can come up with. That's when you've got a problem. Like I would rather sure. not hire that guy and I would rather hire somebody who maybe isn't as capable who I can form to my culture. Who's going to fit in much better. Mm. Like long term, yeah. he'll be better for your company than the other guy. Yeah, work culture makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, anybody listening to this, I'm sure has worked around toxic people and how they just like destroy good things in any company. And if you got one of those people or a couple of those people, dude, mm-hmm. it makes work suck. Like especially yeah. from the managerial standpoint, like trying to manage toxicity is like the worst. It's like yep. the most annoying thing. So, and unfortunately, sometimes that comes from really, really skilled people for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because then you're like, well, I don't want to just get rid of the guy because he's awesome. Yeah. But he brings these elements of toxicity. And that's when the manager really has to like rest on his authority, but then also really try to learn how this guy ticks to be able yep. to steer him away from toxicity and turn him into a really powerful asset. Yeah. And kind of the hard part, like for us anyways, with Prospector, is like you bring these guys in that are coming from like we're bringing them from construction world. They're not even technicians, yeah. right? And so they kind of already have this slightly construction toxic mindset already. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it can be kind of difficult for them to make that shift, but like if they come in like that, like I would rather be patient and mm-hmm. you know, gracious to the guy and mm-hmm. and really help him to change his mind you know change his mindset and help him have that shift um in the beginning like when you're when you don't have very many guys and you're not making a ton of money that might not be a good idea Um, yeah sure but later on you can you can definitely do stuff like that but like just setting clear expectations up front and letting them know like if you know they come from an environment that's toxic if you Mm -hmm. can set them up up front and say hey look we do not do this here we don't have a bad attitude. Like number one thing that's going to get you fired, bad attitude. Sure. Any bad attitude, we don't take that here. It's not allowed. Mm-hmm. That's that's my number one. If you're a pain in the butt or you're grumpy or you have a bad attitude, <laughs> you're gone. Right? Yeah. If you can yeah. set that up front along with all sorts of other stuff, um, that, that usually does a pretty good job. Just letting them know your expectations and what it looks like to be a good employee. Mm-hmm. That'll help out a lot with culture and and Mm. and people like kind of conforming to your system right 
Yeah, maybe that's a nice segue sort of into the next part. Uh, when in this process of creating this plumbing business we're creating in this conversation, do you really invest in system creation? Not necessarily like grabbing service titan and things like that, but like mm-hmm. really thinking about like, okay, this is my systems that I'm going to put in place for all the things I need. Yeah, so I think like, you know, to you're going to want to, like during this phase that you're in that we're talking about, you're getting vans, you're hiring guys, and then you're getting out of the truck is the goal. So you're out of the truck. Um, and probably before then you've got your pricing figured out. Um, you're on flat rate. You've got a price book mm-hmm. built out and you're on service mm-hmm. Titan. Okay. Mm-hmm. That covers like half of your systems. Sure. Maybe, maybe even more like that's sure. just because service Titan only works one way and it works a good yeah. way. So as long as you're doing it that way, then you're good. It's like 90% of your mm-hmm. systems. Um, but I would say probably at that point, that's like when you go in, okay, you need to be, you probably need to be in two modes there. I guess, depending on where you want to go, Joel, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. that, like if you want to be mm-hmm. the guy that's the general manager of your business and you go to work every day in the office and you've got four or five, six guys out in the field, whatever your end point is, then maybe you're good. You've got four guys out in the field and you're the manager. Maybe that's where you want to stop. Hmm. Right? At that point, you would need to build out the rest of your systems, but your because you're the manager, your systems can be very, very, very basic, right? Yeah, because you're there um, to, to push the, the main thrust of those systems. You're there to carry that. Right, yeah. Um, if you're the kind of guy that wants to grow to you know 10 trucks, 10 guys out building and have a general manager in place, then, you know, when you get into the office, you're still going to want to be in growth mode. You're still mm. going to want to be buying more vehicles. You're just going to be able to do it so much more effectively. Buy more mm-hmm. vehicles, do more marketing. You're going to be able to push into marketing a lot more. You're going to be able to mm-hmm. spend more time looking for vehicles. Um, and you're going to have like systems and things inside that you're doing in Service Titan are all going to break during that time. You're going to have to fix Mm -hmm. them and teach your guys how to use it properly and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like once you, like for me, it really wasn't until I hired a general manager and then it was like, okay, I got to make this thing. It was like this Mm. long process of like refining at that point. Sure. So we spent like a year, you know, I've created my systems. Let's see, I hired my general manager in October um, Mm -hmm. and then I created my systems in December. Like my gotcha. final, like my SOPs, mm-hmm. right? Standard yeah, operating sure. procedures. That's when I actually sure. went down and put and mm-hmm. wrote them all up on the computer and put them in a program, made them accessible to everybody and really defined like everything that we do, our vision, our mission, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what it means to work at Prospector, um, how we hire people, how we train people, how mm-hmm. we fire people, and everything that's involved with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where I was going with that, but that's really. Oh yeah, we spent like a we spent like a year right mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. October just refining, 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 hmm. and we we really just about just got done really refining it. I mean, there's always sure. refining going on because you can always get better. Right. Um, 
that's kind of why I like my GM. He has this like pursuit mm. for excellence, right? Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. always wanting to become more excellent. Yeah, sure. Just like Bill and Ted. Um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> dang, dude. Dang, you um, went there. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think, you know, depending on where you want to be, and then gotcha. I would say you're going to hire a general manager and it's going to feel like chaos. At least it should. Uh, cause, cause you're not going to know like what his job is. He's not going to know what his job is and you're yeah. going to have to kind of create that together and then, yeah. and then pencil it out at that point, start penciling things out, how your, how it works and then go into refine, mm-hmm. refine, refine, refine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, make, and the cool part about that is like, at my stage, like if you got to where I am right now in my business, where you've got eight or nine guys running around, you've got a general manager, you've spent time refining, creating your SOPs. Now you have this thing that you can go recreate or you could grow here if you want. Right. Sure. You Mm -hmm. have, you have something of value at that point. Somebody Mm -hmm. else could step in as the owner and continue to operate this business, right? So yes. now you now you've built this yeah. machine that is that has value. Before that, the value is very little because if it requires yep. you there, nobody's going to want to buy it and come in and be required to be there. Yes. Once you so, have it, all the SOPs in place and all that stuff, it's valuable. Yeah, that's a really great way to describe SOPs because I think that sometimes they can feel burdensome like oh I gotta make all these Mm -hmm. procedures and processes but if you craft them or you understand them as a value statement of your company like a value strategy then they become there's a lot more incentive to do them and do them well because that's I've never thought about them that way but that's like a really good way I thought about them in the sense of like oh when you're gone what are we going to do like that obviously makes sense you want to have systems so that if you're not there things can happen but I've never thought about it like these actually add value because then when you're gone, a complete stranger can pay you money to walk into your business and then just pick up right where you left off and know where to go and know how to get there. It's not even for them to know where to go, really. It's really that everybody that works for you from now until the end of your business knows what their job is, right? Yeah. And it's all documented. Mm-hmm. So good people, if you hire good people and you write, what their job is on paper, then Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to go look at that and go, this is my job. This is what it looks like (laughs) to do good here. And this is how I should go about it. Yeah. Cool. Right. So if a, if a, somebody coming in to buy that can see that, Oh, I just had to put people in, right. It's a Mm -hmm. machine. I put Mm -hmm. people in the machine spits the money out Mm -hmm. as a buyer. That's what you want. That's a you good don't business. want to have to step in and understand every little detail and get calls sure. about what to do in this situation or what to do in this situation. You want all that ironed out before you ever buy mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. so that you just, you just buy it and it spits money out and then, it, and, sp- and then you can continue to add good people, right? Cause people are mm-hmm. going to come and go. Yeah, of course. So, so and the ability to add a good person in and have them just be part of the machine that spits you money out perfect and especially as a plumbing company especially if, if you're the plumbing owner who has the ambition of exiting his plumbing company at some point as like mm-hmm. the retirement plan then that's so important because like you could be selling 
to somebody who's maybe not a plumbing a plumber themselves. They just might be, I don't know, some yeah. person who's buying up businesses. Yeah. And so when you're setting your business to sell, you want to be able that you can sell to anybody. You yep. don't because if you're just limiting yourself to plumbers, you have a very small amount of people who can actually purchase your business and do it and like would actually want it. But yeah. if you can just be like, hey, I have a I have a money machine. Who wants to buy my money machine? Yeah. Yeah. Then there can just be like any venture capitalist or anybody be like, I'll buy your money machine and put it with my other money machines. Thank you, sir. And then yep. you're way more attractive. Dude, and you just hit on something that's so crucial of a plumbing business. You're creating a machine. Like it doesn't matter that you do plumbing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you do plumbing, electrical, manufacturing something. You're creating a machine. Like it has... Sure. It's not about the plumbing. It's about creating this machine, right? So I remember my coach all through coaching. It ain't about the plumbing. It ain't about the plumbing. Right. And I never got it until <laughs> like it always confused me. But it's yeah. that right there. Like it's not about the plumbing. It's about the machine you're building, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then like for your, what you said about retirement, right? These guys that are building a plumbing business that isn't sellable, they're doing themselves a disservice, right? They could go work mm -hmm. for somebody else and get a retirement and stop working at some point in time. Mm -hmm. If you have your own business, your retirement, your stop working at some time is the sale of your business. Sure. You don't have a retirement plan, right? Sure, mm -hmm. you could be in business for 20 plus years and you could put away money in retirement, which you should, mm -hmm. but you, mm -hmm. why not build something of value Mm -hmm. while you're building it. Mm -hmm. Like it'd be stupid to say, oh, I don't want this to be valuable, mm -hmm. but I'm going to pour 20 years into it. That'd be dumb. Yeah, that would be dumb. That's, yeah. that's not how you approach anything. Like you don't no. approach anything else that way. No, you're going to put all this time into it. Maybe not 20 years, maybe two years, maybe two and a half years, but you're going to pour all this time into it, right? To build it into this machine you might as well build it into something that's valuable. Mm. And the cool, the cool part about that is, like, take me for example. Um, we built, I built Prospector. Me and my wife did really. Um, and two and a half years later, I spend like an hour a week on it. Mm -hmm. I could technically retire. Mm -hmm. I'm technically retired. No retirement <laughs> necessary, right? Yeah. Yeah. At 38 years old. And I didn't start yeah. until I was 35 and a half. <laughs> yeah. Back then, you know what? I'm not even 38 yet. I'm 37. Oh, dude, I've been doing this a lot lately. Oh, man. I'm older than him. 37, okay? And I didn't start until <laughs> I was 35, right? Yeah. Huh. Um. So why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. I think, I don't know. I can answer that for myself because for me personally, I have never until oh, I don't know, the last four or five months of my life considered that you build a business as it's... The purpose of building a business isn't just because you love the thing you do so much that you want to make it awesome and show people it. Right. There's other purposes behind that and they can do other things. Yes, you should be interested in what you do because it just makes it easier. You yeah. should build it and show it to people because it is awesome and you needs to be awesome to be successful. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you exiting it can be part of the plan. In my mind, business was always this idea that like, oh, it's the thing that you have in your family forever. You know, you build a business and it's your one show and that's mm -hmm. just what you do. You made the grocer on the corner and that's your store. Hey, yep. but 
in reality, you don't have to think about it that way. You can think about it as something of value that you create, you start, you get going, you get to a point where it's a machine and then you put it up for auction or whatever and somebody comes and buys it and then you go, great, thanks, dude. And you leave and you go do your thing and that's totally fine. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that people don't think about it that way because that's not how we're ever taught to think about it. No. Yeah. Yeah. You can put it up for sale. I mean, you can hold on to it and make a ton of cash and mm-hmm. keep the machine going mm-hmm. and then 20 years later put it up for sale. Mhm, sure. Right? You could have made 20 million dollars over the last 20 years and then go sell your business for 20 million. Yeah. Like those are all possibilities, right? So, yeah. Why not build something of value? Does it make sense? Yeah, to totally. Yeah. Yeah, and even if we're speaking to the person who wants to have their plumbing company for generations, you still operate out of the same principle. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's just poor stewardship to do it a different way. Agreed. Yep. Because like, even if you want like a multi generational plumbing company, you might have a generation who's like, "I hate this. I would, <laughs> I would be. Let's be done. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that's okay. That's just how life is sometimes. But yeah, it'd be much better to give that person something that's awesome instead of something that's just like barely yeah. ticking along. <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty poopy if you died and your kids had to take over your crappy plumbing business. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Dang it. This would, sucks, dad. Thanks, thanks, dad. I can't sell this. This this isn't even fun. I don't even know what I'm doing. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah. Dude, that's how you uh, finish out your plumbing business, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the funny part, Joel, is it's not that complicated. Like, we started, yeah. you got a logo, you got the licensing, you did some marketing, you went to work, you made some money, you hired a CSR, you got a proper marketing company in place. And then you just do a bunch, you spend as much as you can on marketing and buy vans and hire guys. And eventually you become the general manager and then you buy vans and hire more guys. And then eventually you hire a general manager and then you, Go write your SOPs and refine your business for a little bit. And then you have a machine. Sure. Yeah. And there you go. I mean, that's like the whole thing, right? We'll have to have a conversation on a different podcast about like the type of person it requires to sort of see that through because that's where people get tripped up because the system exists as you describe, like there's manuals, there's trainings, there's coaching to be like, this is all you need to do to be successful. But then what gets in the way is the human is trying to implement it. And that's the tricky part is like you, the person need to actually do these things. And how do you go about doing them? And how can you get to be that person? Because, yeah, you know, we need to have a vision of who that person is, who can run that business, maybe in our heads, that could be different for all of us, I guess, but we have to figure out how to get to that person. Or we're just going to be stuck at step three or something or step four and never yeah. get over it. I think listening to this podcast will help. Like just just knowing that it's a possibility, number one. Mm, but yeah, there's probably, a lot, there's probably a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. But I think what you just said, I think is huge. Knowing that it's a possibility. Because mm-hmm. it's like, that's so much of life, right? It's like, you never knew it was yeah. possible until somebody told you it was. And now you're doing it. Dude, hundred percent. Like I had no i I had no idea. Like I had I didn't know. I didn't know you could build a business that you didn't need to be there. That was not <laughs> a thing that existed in my mind. Right? Yeah. There yeah. was no mm-hmm. reality of that in the world to me. Just three years ago. So, the fact that I'm like sitting here in Florida, 
my plumbing business is running in Alaska and I don't really think about it. I don't even, I don't ever check to see if we have enough work. I don't ever check any of that stuff. Right. <laughs> I just sit down with my manager once a week for an hour and we go, did we hit our stuff? Right. Did we hit our benchmarks? Um, mm -hmm. if we did cool, if we didn't, how come? Okay. Look, mm -hmm. what are you going to do to fix it? Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So <laughs> like that wasn't a possibility. And, and it was, it's so crazy to me looking back now, like how I used to think and how I think now and how much more possibility mm -hmm. has like that my eyes are open to now. It's so crazy. So yeah. incredibly wild. And, and it took somebody, it took me going, okay, I need help. I, I don't understand this understanding. I don't understand it. And then going, um, I need help. And then somebody else saying, look, this is a possibility. And me going, no way. Yeah, like, sure. Really? Are you sure? Yeah. But I had yeah. to like trust them and believe in them and do some of the stuff they told me to do. And then it started to tick in my head. I think it ticked mm. in my wife's head faster. She was like, that's usually how it happens. Yeah. I think like, yeah. I remember our business coaches told us like, I think we, we left for a month vacation. Oh, we were planning on a week and the coach was like, why not leave for a month? And my wife was like, ding. Yeah. She knew right then and month. there. This is we rad. can leave forever. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was still thinking like, uh, I don't know if I can leave that long, but, uh, you know, we left for a month and everything was cool. It was good. But yeah, hmm. it, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. And sure. I think that like, that can be what we can try to do even on this podcast is try to talk about things that can be new ideas to people, new things that they never thought as possible. Yeah. And then sort of live out those examples to be like, look, 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 look what we're doing. Look what we did. Look what yeah. you did. Look at what I do. Look at all these things. Like we're pursuing avenues that we didn't know existed until we learned about them. And so now we're trying to tell you about them so that you can also pursue them. Yes, because I can tell you right now, like because somebody told me about those avenues and I pursued them, my life is so much better, like hands down. Hey, not only that, your life is better, but I'm sure there's other. My life is better because yeah. you pursued those avenues. Your technicians' lives are better. You know, your general manager's life is Dude. better. Like it's yeah. That's the power of owning a business. When you own a business and you do it well, you can really make other people's lives a lot better. Dude, you can create. You create by having that vision and and the passion for it and this is my favorite part of business hands down screw the money screw everything else my favorite part has been creating opportunity for other people mm. and in doing that i have made more money yes and i've gained more freedom yeah. yes but the coolest part is creating the opportunity for other people to make mm. more money and to bring them like because i made this decision I now have this pyramid of people underneath me that have all had a better life because sure. of one decision, right? Mm -hmm. Which is super cool to think about. And I know that yep. pyramid's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on. Yep. And it's cool. It's fun. I like it. I like it too, man. So cool, man. Uh, so what do we, so what we learn? <laughs> yeah, I guess we kind of already <laughs> unpacked what we learned. <laughs> we already yeah. talked through it. Yeah, let's just end it right here. Boom. Thanks, everybody. Oh, dude. So many buttons. <laughs> hey, 